and one. The best way to start your weekend is with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network. Sponsored by BetMGM. Welcome in, everybody. BetQL Weekend. Mark Drumheller here with Jake Hassan filling in. Um, for Ryan Rothstein, BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbook. Uh, back for a gl- another glorious weekend, Jake. Uh, you know, we talked last week about the College World Series. I can't wait to get into that. There's a ton of action going on in the NBA. Um, and also, we're going to hit the diamond and, and get back to some baseball, Jake. You know, one of the main things we talked about last week, and we'll get into this a bit later, but the Cincinnati Reds have taken over Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, people out there are saying that it's because of us that the Reds are on this 11-game winning streak. <laughs> I would never say that personally, but people have said. I've heard it in the streets. We're the fire. We're the we're the ignition that, that gets the engine going, especially in Cincinnati. So hopefully we'll have more luck. We're going to talk about some more teams a little later in our second segment. But we have you for 60 minutes here. Uh, 60 minutes of sports betting rocket fuel. You know how we do it. We're going to have best bets at the end um, as well. But let's start with the NBA, Jake. Um, specifically the Boston Celtics, right? They were the team. You know, Phoenix dropped the first domino with the acquisition of Bradley Beal. But Boston comes in swinging. Makes a deal for Christoph Porzingis and Marcus Smart being the key piece. They initially tried to get Malcolm Brogdon in that deal. Um, injury concerns had that fall apart. Now Marcus Smart um, heads out to Memphis and Boston gets another big man to help, you know, give their offense a different look. Yeah, I mean, I think we were all a little surprised that Smart ended up being the piece that was going away. Brogdon, it kind of made sense. He was the sixth man of the year, but... You know, he wasn't a star by any means. He wasn't a foundational piece for the Celtics, was there for one year and played really well, but clearly they had a different need that they felt like they had to address. I mean, me personally, I went to bed last night thinking, all right, great, this is done deal, done and dusted. Porzingis is a Celtic. Brogdon's going to be a Clipper. And, you know, I don't sleep great, so I wake up a million times in the middle of the night. I happen to look at my phone. Oh, deal's over. Deal, Deal's canceled. Okay, whatever, roll back over. Wake up another hour later. Oh, now Marcus Smart is a Grizzly. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here but yeah I mean it's interesting I mean you see Boston Celtic Twitter is losing their mind they're crying shaking tearing their hair out because they lost Marcus Smart but I mean the whole thing comes back to if Porzingis is healthy everyone else is saying that this is a steal especially because Boston ends up with two first round picks which probably ends up meaning they're going to flip those for something else too yeah that's the key right so they get the picks back they lose Smart and you know, Boston's offense was really a problem in the playoffs, just especially towards the end of the games. And I think they're trying to get, you know, a little more um, structure, you know, w- within that offense, right? And, you know, moving smart kind of takes it away. Maybe they look to get a young, you know, more traditional point guard. They're definitely going to lose some defense with smart. But, you know, poor Zingas, his health is a big if. Uh, I mean, you know, for those, when we talk about Boston and, you know, their future, his health is a big if. Now, he's coming off, you know, a tremendous season. You know, he, he looked great. I think he can be a huge contributor for this Celtics offense. But um, I, I think the point is, is there, there has to be more shoes to drop here with Boston. Do they utilize those picks to acquire a more experienced point guard? Or do you think they go young and try and bring in, you know, a more traditional guard to kind of, you know, run this offense? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think the Celtics could go a couple different ways because obviously you have these two picks now in your holster that you could use. Or, I mean, we still haven't gotten through the Jalen Brown situation. We don't know if they're going to trade him yet. I mean, I think it was yesterday on Thursday we saw, oh, well, they might try to do a sign-in trade with Jalen Brown sending him somewhere as well. So I feel like there's still a couple dominoes left to fall for the Celtics here. Maybe if they end up trading Jalen Brown to somewhere else for maybe more picks or for an established player, maybe they hang on to those picks or they re-sign Jalen Brown say all right we believe in you we believe that you can be the second best player on a championship team and we're gonna try to flip these picks for something else for a traditional guard or whatever it may be so yeah I mean I don't think they're done by any means they obviously need to bring in another guard still but I mean it's draft day it's Brad Stevens we'll see what happens here they could go a million different ways it feels like yeah, it definitely seems like the wheels are turning for Brad Stevens, and there's a lot of work to be done in Boston. Even though, you know, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, you take it to a Game 7, you know, their willingness to shake things up just kind of shows how big of a disappointment that was one year removed from the NBA Finals. They don't want to continue to go backwards, um, even though they are still at the top of the food chain in regards to the Eastern Conference. We're going to talk about Boston's odds in a little bit, but I wanted to focus a little bit on Smart, Jake, um, because, you know, this is a guy, nine seasons, you know, almost 700 career games with the Celtics, dyes his hair green, you know, just seemed like he was the perfect, he was part of the fabric of that team, part of the culture, and I was one who was very vocal that this Boston team needed a change of culture um, just because of the dynamics, the end of game, and, you know, the, the challenges that they had, that they really did need to shake something up. But I'm not sure getting rid of Market Smart is the answer here. Um, it, it, it's going to force, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, assuming Brown's still here, um, to really handle all the ball handling responsibilities unless they can get somebody else in here. And I think it puts even more pressure on those two players um, unless they make another big deal. Yeah, it seems like Marcus Smart, like you said, wasn't really the problem or needed needed to be the piece that needed to be shipped out. Marcus Smart, you know, reigning defensive player of the year coming into this season, a you know, guy that could hit a couple shots from the outside for you, a glue guy. You know, you're kind of prototypical glue guy that keeps everything together, does all the dirty work, and was super invested in the, you know, quote unquote Celtics culture and building that foundation. Like you said, he's been there forever. He was always very vocal about this team, you know, being able to push through and gritted out. I mean, he was obviously had the famous quote from the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, don't let us win one. Turns out the Heat let him win two, but we know how that ended. But seemed like he was a guy that really kept everything together. And now you subtract that piece for Kristaps Porzingis, who might not even be on the floor for half the season due to injury. Maybe if you get lucky, you get 50, 60 games out of him. But it seems like, like you said, he wasn't really the the piece that needed to be moved. And we'll see how that works out for the Celtics because it feels like it could go very poorly. And a year from now, we're sitting here like, look at those doofuses. Look, if they just didn't do that, we might be talking about him differently. Yeah, and I totally get it. Like, you, you get more size with Porzingis, right? So, you know, it helps your front court. And you don't really lose the three-point shooting, right? Because he can, he can you know, come out and hit, hit from beyond the arc. Um, gives you an outside presence that way. I just think that Smart is one of those grimy guys where, you know, every city has them where it's like it's a player. If he's on your team, you love him. If he's on your rival team, you absolutely hate him. That's kind of Marcus Smart's MO. And I think that teams – Championship teams need those types of players. And when I, I look at Boston, I think that they're a little bit soft. And I think that's why, you know, they failed at the end this year. But I don't think – I think removing smart just makes them even 
softer is probably the wrong term, but it just doesn't have that. They, they don't have those gritty workman-like players. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you take a little bit of the fire away from the Celtics. You know, Jason mm-hmm. Tatum's not one of those guys who gets in the middle of a scrum and gets in another team's face because, you know, they had a, maybe a hard foul on one of your players. Marcus Smart was always that guy. He was always the first guy in to get into scrum and get his hands dirty because, you know, you committed a hard foul on one of his teammates or, you know, you're chirping a little too much. And I agree with you. It feels like you're taking a little bit away from the Celtics' identity almost. And we don't know how much that is worth to a point spread or a win total, but it seems like from a narrative standpoint, you're really losing something here that you're going to have to replace and now you're searching for it. Absolutely. So um, now the, the key piece is Marcus Smart goes over to Memphis, right? And, and I think Memphis is a team that I've had one eye on because just the whole John Morant situation, how do they address that going forward? What do they do? Do they try and change the culture of the team? Do they try and shake things up a little bit? Now they get another solid defensive player in Marcus Smart, uh, you know, the pair with Jaron Jackson Jr., the last two defensive players of the year. Grizzlies' odds to win the title, 22-1, to 1, right? Obviously, they need to still work to that roster. But adding Smart, you know, Dylan Brooks obviously on his way out. I think you're seeing Memphis try to change things, uh, you know, after having a very successful regular season and then falling short in the playoffs. Yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, we talk about maybe Boston needed Marcus Smart and that was the wrong piece to subtract. Kind of feels like Marcus Smart might be exactly what Memphis needs as far as the experience and the fire and kind of maybe be a guiding light for some of these guys. I mean, John Morant's going to miss a third of the season, but really you think about it this way. Marcus Smart is an upgrade from Dylan Brooks. He's a more capable and more talented Dylan Brooks, almost with, you know, less of the off court talk and chirping everybody within a five mile radius of him. And Marcus Smart actually can back up that smack talk with his play too. And then when Ja comes back, Marcus Smart can be the guy that, you know, Hey, I've been to a finals. I've been to multiple Eastern conference finals. Now I know what it takes and I'm going to drag us there. And it feels like for a young team like Memphis, that might be exactly what they needed, that type of leadership. I think it is. The leadership is the key. When, when you look at Memphis, they need a team. They need a player to show them how to get to the other side, right? Yeah. How to get, you know, really, you know, take contend the lead. for, you know, in the Western conference. Right. And I, I think smarts, a guy that can kind of, Maybe not, you know, the whole thing. They might need some more pieces, uh, you know, from even a leadership standpoint, but he's a guy that can be a contributing factor. Um, so I think Memphis team to watch, I think they can make a lot of moves. Um, I would keep an eye on their odds, 22 to 1 now, um, you know, plus 2,200 at Bet MGM uh, to win the NBA title. But let's talk about the Celtics, right? Now the betting favorites in the NBA, um, odds down to plus 475 from plus 550. Um, after this deal. And I think some of the market reaction may not have to do with just Christophe Porzingis and what he brings to Boston, but I think it alerts betters that, hey, you know what? Boston is is going all in now to, to win the NBA title. Like they're, you know, it's, it's foot on the gas going forward. They're not happy with what happened last uh, season. And I think that's why you see the odds kind of shift ahead of a Denver team. 
Yeah, I mean, Boston's desperate. I mean, Jason Tatum is not getting any younger. Jalen Brown's not getting any younger. Second year of Missoula, you hope that he can improve in his second year. And after that Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know how it could get any worse, but can feels like you can only go up from here as far as Missoula's concerned. But, yeah, I mean, you add Porzingis, and the big part of that is takes a lot of pressure off Robert Williams defensively. Doesn't means you have to play Al Horford less, which is a net positive for you as well. So, and I think part of it is, you know, we mentioned it earlier, the Celtics got those two first round picks. Does anyone really think they're going to keep both of them? If if not, you know, they might keep one, but they're definitely not keeping yeah, both. So it feels like they're going to flip at least one, if not both, to add another piece or they'll hold on to both and flip Jalen Brown for another star. It depends. So I feel like part of that odds move is, okay, this is the first step for Boston to continue doing something, continue building and try to really entrench themselves as the class of the East. And you're seeing betters try and get ahead of the market. Another team that made a big splash, um, you know, Phoenix Suns, obviously going out to get Bradley Beal. If we look at Phoenix and we look at Boston, Jake, um, what team do you have more confidence in actually getting over the hump and winning the NBA championship? Because I think when I look at both these teams, there's still another shoe to drop with both of them, right? Like Phoenix has to do something with Aiton to kind of address the defense and the depth. Boston has to do something to get more ball handlers, um, you know, and get somebody to really run that offense in a more standard structural, you know, format. Um, but for me, it's the Phoenix Suns. I'm still not confident that Boston's going to be able to do what they need to do or is going to have the star power to actually be a threat to be NBA champions next year. Yeah, it's Phoenix for me, too, because just look at it from the top two players on each team. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown versus Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Like you say mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns NBA champions 2024 led by Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. That sounds a whole hell of a lot better than Boston Celtics 2024 NBA champions led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It just doesn't sound as strong. And you know, it obviously all depends on health and availability. Obviously KD was not on the floor a ton this past season, but if him and Booker stay healthy and then you add Beal to that mix, I have a lot more faith that Kevin Durant can drag the Suns to a championship than I do in Jason Tatum dragging the Celtics to a championship. Exactly. And what it allows Phoenix to do, uh, you know, and Frank Vogel is he doesn't have to have Booker and Durant on the floor together at all times. Now that he has Beal in the mix, he can, you know, when he rests one of those guys, he can have the other two in there to kind of, you know, and without having a huge drop off in scoring. Um, they're going to need more defense. They're going to need more depth. So I think Aiton's going to be on the move. They're going to address it that way. But um, I, that's the reason I, I like Phoenix. I, I just think that, you know, I, do I think there should be the favorites to win the NBA title? Absolutely not. I think Denver should still be favorite, even with Boston making this move. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be a fun NBA season. You know, I, I can't wait. These odds are going to continue to fluctuate. There's going to be more shoes to drop. Full disclosure for the audience, um, you know, we are – Recording this on Thursday prior to the NBA draft, so Zion could be on the move. A lot of things could be happening. Dame Lillard and Pittsburgh and uh, Portland, you know, holding the number three pick. So there is um, a lot of things that are going to change over the next 24 hours as well. But um, you know, going into the draft with these two big deals, um, I, I think we're starting to see the offseason really get fired up. And uh, you know, Boston and Phoenix both making a pretty big statement. 
uh, that they're serious about winning the NBA title. But we're going to be back, uh, you know, for our next segment. We're going to get into baseball, little College World Series. We're going to hit the diamond. Um, you know, a couple teams left now in the College World Series. I know Jake has a winner lined up. And, you know, we're going to pick two more teams, our hit and run segment, to go over in Major League Baseball. So we'll be right back in our next segment, BetMGM Weekend, presented by BetMGM Sportsbook. Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM. And one. Start your weekend betting off right with BetQL Weekend with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller, sponsored by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Segment two, BetQL Weekend presented by uh, BetMGM Sportsbook. Mark Drumheller here with Jake Hassan filling in for Ryan Rothstein. And before we pivot over to baseball, Jake, I want to talk about the NBA draft. Now, by the time, uh, you know, the audience hears this, the draft is going to already be expired, um, you know, have, have went to taken place. But I want to talk about just the the, the uh, environment around the draft, you know, with the betting market, right? I, I think last year, you know, was a year that I all bettors will remember in regards to the number one pick. It was Jabari Smith, you know, Wayne, uh, uh, Shams, Woj, all dropping bombs, you know, just as far as like, hey, all the intel in the NBA was pointing to Jabari Smith. Everybody's insider sources were saying Jabari Smith. The betting market told a different story, right? And they they, they thought, saw it would be Piala, uh, Banchera, and that, that's who ended up being the number one pick in the end. The betting market ended up being right, and a lot of people made a lot of money. And, and you know, so there was a push and pull kind of throughout the betting community is that, hey, typically... You know, we trust guys like Woj, we trust Shams, we trust the insiders. You know, when they say something, it's concrete. And leading into this year's draft now, um, the number one pick all but set in stone, but there's been a lot, there's been a tug of war between the two and three uh, pick, where, you know, with who is Charlotte going to select with that pick? Is it going to be Alabama's Brandon Miller or is it going to be Scoot Henderson from the G League? And I, I think the whole thing's fascinating, Jake. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, last year was so set in stone, essentially. It was Paolo Bancaro was 20 to 1 for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. There was no way. And then until he wasn't, until he was the favorite, until then he ended up being picked first overall. And I think that's why people are a little more cautious approaching this draft because, you know, like you said, we trust the insiders, we trust Woj, we trust Shams, but. It's like after last season and after last year's draft, you kind of have to approach it with a little bit more skepticism because it feels like we're being, you know, run amok, led astray, ran asunder because we don't know what these teams are thinking until they actually make the pick. And we're seeing that today with the report that Shams uh, just dropped uh, not too long ago that it's looking like Scoot Henderson's going to be the number two overall pick. And he was plus 350 this morning. And Brandon Miller was mm-hmm. minus 500. And then we were like, all right, you know, done and dusted. It, the draft is tonight. It's in, you know, seven <laughs> hours or whatever. And now here we are. Oh, you know, 
actually it's going to be Scoot, and it's looking like it's going to be Scoot from the G League, and which is just so funny that the Hornets are still going to let Michael Jordan have final say on this as he's on his way out the door. It's hilarious, just absolute. Yeah, let the guy who's selling the team and doesn't want to be there anymore make the last big call of the teams or of the organization. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because the Hornets are not a team that has a great track record, you know, in the draft. Um, So this is a huge pick for their franchise. I like Henderson. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think that he can play with ball. I think it makes sense if I was the GM, you know, I would be taking Henderson, but, you know, not in that position and not sure if team would be any better if I, if uh, I was anyway, (laughs) but you know, But the way the swings in the market, in the betting market, has been huge. Initially, it was Brandon Miller. Everybody expected Miller to be the number two pick. He was a huge favorite. Then we saw Scoot Henderson getting a ton of steam, um, and the odds flipped. And then it was going to be Scoot Henderson. Then it flipped back to Brandon Miller. And the narrative out there and what a lot of people, you know, believed or at least thought was that Charlotte's interest in Scoot Henderson was just to drum up uh, you know, potential trade candidates because Portland was getting, you know, so many calls at the number three spot. And it was all about, you know, are teams willing to trade up for Scoot Henderson to get into that number three spot? And I people thought Charlotte wanted a piece of that action and that was kind of fueling their interest. But now it looks like they are going to select them with the number two pick. So it's been back and forth, you know, the past couple weeks, um, just, you know, between Miller and Henderson. And the main takeaway I get from this, uh, you know, Jake is, when you see a little bit of disagreement or a little bit close, you know, odds at the top of the draft, once they start to separate, I would just take the underdog, get some big plus money and hope the pendulum swings back the other way. Yeah. See if you get lucky and see what happens. I mean, we saw it even with the NFL draft this year and we didn't know anything until the day of, until the hour of, and a lot of people who had taken big swings, you know, with CJ Stroud at number two or whatever, it ended up like that. And so, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, we just don't know. This thing swings so wildly every which way that we really just don't know until the pick's actually made, until the envelope's opened. Yeah, 100% correct. And, and I, I'll be honest with you. I thought about it. I was, I couldn't, I was like, I, and I understand the Miller thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the guy's a tremendous player, you know? And, and sure. you know, he, you don't have to worry about his fit with ball in the backcourt, but I, I just thought Henderson was the better player. I was surprised they were moving that, but even with those inclinations, I couldn't get to the window. I couldn't place the bet on Scoop because, again, we we've built that trust with Woj. We built that tr- trust with Shams, and you know when when they say that hey, this team's locked in at the number two pick, we believe it. But it's another valuable lesson for betters that when there is conflicting information, when the odds swing one way. Um, and then swing back the other way, they could swing back. So, you know, t- take the plus money when it's available. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have Henderson and have Miller with plus money tickets in their pocket that are going to be making some money. Yeah, if you're one of those people, good for you. You're, you're feeling really good heading into the night now. 100%. So let's move over to the Diamond Major League Baseball. We'll start with, and then we'll get into the College World Series because I can't wait to get your takes um, as the College World Series is winding down. Um, by this weekend, we will have the final two teams um, that will be playing for the College World Series. Uh, but let's start in Major League Baseball. Jake, 
we talked earlier about how we are the engine that gets these <laughs> teams rolling. Uh, you know, the Reds have taken over the baseball. They're everybody's favorite team, I feel like, that are cheering. Uh, you know, have moved into first place just like that. We are talking about their odds last week. Um, people who jumped on that have a great ticket. But we're going to talk about some other teams and I want to start with the New York, uh, the San Francisco Giants. I apologize, mind on football already now that we're getting into summer. But the San Francisco Giants um, are another team on a hot streak. Uh, you know, one, um, you know, the Giants have been winning a ton of games lately. Really have positioned themselves in the West, right behind Arizona, uh, to be contenders in a division where it's supposed to be all about the Dodgers and the Padres, and and we're seeing anything but. But the Giants. Swept the Dodgers, um, you know, won the first two games against the Padres. They're a team that's been really coming on. The bullpen has always been nails, but this is a team that has really had made their mark from late-inning rallies, coming back, not giving up. How much of their success do you think, uh, you know, stems from the manager, Gabe Kapler? Kapler's first stint was here in Philadelphia, um, so very familiar, you know, with his work (laughs) and what he did with the Phillies. And I'll be honest with you, I I didn't think he would, you know, be that successful in San Francisco. But after last year and after seeing what they're doing this year, you have to kind of tip your cap to the uh, to the Giants manager. Yeah, I mean, the Giants winners of 10 in a row kind of were an afterthought to start the season. They had pursued Aaron Judge. They had pursued Carlos Correa, both, you know, struck out on both of those and ended up settling for Michael Conforto and a couple other odds and ends. Good players, but not superstar players. And so we all kind of wrote the Giants off as, all right, maybe the third best team, maybe the fourth best team in the division, but not really going to do anything. Now here we are. They've won 10 in a row, and they're very much in play to win the NL West. And I... To answer your question about Gabe Kapler, I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. He famously did not have a great stint in Philadelphia, immediately got hired by the Giants, though. I mean, basically, at the drop of the hat, he basically had boarded the plane in Philadelphia and went right to San Francisco, and he's done great there, and I attribute a lot of their success and their success even from the uh, 107-win season a couple seasons ago to him. He just really knows how to push the right buttons for that team and for that organization, whatever tools they gave him in San Francisco or whatever free reign they gave him in San Francisco that he didn't have in Philadelphia is clearly working. Uh, I still think that the giants are probably the third best team in the division, maybe the second, but they're competitive and they're fun. And they're going to make this NL West really, really interesting because God knows the Padres aren't. Yeah. And I I think they're worth a bet at the current odds. I mean, just based off of last year and the success that they had, and seeing what they're doing now, kind of turning things around if they're starting a little bit slow, um, you know, just compared to last year. Not that, you know, but now they're, I, I think they're a formidable team. They might not have the big names. And the one thing about Kapler that, you know, sometimes coaches, they just they just need to go through their first job and they need sure. to come out the other side a better manager. And I think that's what we saw here with Kapler. Because in his time with Philadelphia, it was a lot, of, and he's a different guy, very positive at, you know, sometimes he felt like he was just reading from a self-help book. Like, that was kind of, you know, he had all these quotes, you know, he he read all the books, he knew what to say, but it, it didn't, you didn't always buy it, you know, and Philadelphia is a tough market, so, you know, San Francisco, obviously a little bit more of a laid-back market, but we, we didn't always buy it here, and he did some very peculiar, um, 
you know, moves as manager, which, you know, when you really color outside the lines and it's not successful, uh, you know, you're going to get questioned and you're going to get hit pretty hard from the media. And I think we saw that here um, in Philadelphia. But I I think that this uh, time in Philadelphia really helped him grow. And I think, he, you know, he went under San Francisco as a mature manager and started to really believe, you know, what he was saying. You know, and I I think in his first stint here, he was just kind of, he knew what to say. He was going through the motions, but I don't think the players believed in him like they do in San Francisco. But the results have been tremendous. I mean, you can tell. I mean, this team never gives up. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, they're in this division with these, you know, from a roster perspective with with teams that are just incredible. You know, the Padres, the Dodgers, it doesn't matter. They chop them all down. But I, I definitely think this Giants team is a buy moving forward. Yeah, I I think that this Giants team has something to them, and they may not have the huge superstar, but they have a couple really exciting rookies, one being Patrick Bailey, the catcher. They have Conforto, Mm -hmm. who's been playing really well. Uh, They still have Jock Peterson there, and they've just the pitching has really been. They're turning guys like Alex Cobb and Anthony DiScalfani into frontline starters over there, and it's working out, and credit to them. And as far as Kapler, I mean, yeah, if you're going to go somewhere to cut your teeth for a first job, not everyone would choose Philadelphia, I think. But I think to your point, that really hardened him and made him a better manager for going to San Francisco. I think that was an easier transition for him. And it's clear that the team has bought in, the front office has bought in, the players have bought in, and it's working for the Giants. And that division is super tight. It's super. The Dodgers are the favorite still somehow, and they're very vulnerable. This Dodgers team, I just don't think is that great. I think they've very much underwhelmed. The pitching has been injured or ineffective all year outside of Clayton Kershaw. And just on the field outside of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman have underwhelmed too. James Outman is a rookie who started really hot, but he's completely fell back to earth. Miguel Vargas has not lived up to expectations at all. Max Muncie has spent time on the IL off and on. And so it's just been very up and down for the Dodgers. I think they're super vulnerable. I think Arizona's the best team in that division right now, but I think it's anybody's crown to take that NL West crown. And if you're going to, you know, get to the window with, with a team in Major League Baseball, right? That's going to be in a competitive division that you think is going to come down to, you know, September, October, uh, when it really counts. It's not a bad idea to back a team with a dominant bullpen, man. No, and not this at all. Giants bullpen has been on fire, 2.39 ERA since May 1st. Um, you know, they, they got some guys back there. And when you have depth in that bullpen, uh, it helps everybody. It helps your hitters. It helps your starting pitching. It helps the entire team. So, I mean, that's really why um, this team had a very strong bullpen last year. You're seeing the same thing again this year. And I think you're going to end up seeing the same results. Um, outside of the Giants now, you know, when we look at the landscape of that division, Jake, um, we, we we expect the Diamondbacks to fall off, correct? I mean, I, I, I don't it's not actually. I actually no? really like this Diamondbacks team. Uh, before the season, I was all over their win total, which was 73 and a half. It looks like we're going to be very good on that over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think this is a good team. Corbin Carroll, they have the NL Rookie of the Year. If you look at his odds, it's about minus 700 now, depending on where you look. He's, he, I mean, he's just going to win. He's, he's that good. He's so much so that he's the second favorite for NL MVP now behind Ronald Acuna, which is crazy, which is I wouldn't have even said before the year. I think this Diamondbacks 
team is super intriguing. I think they're good. I think they're going to add at the trade deadline too. Does that mean they're not vulnerable? No, everybody's vulnerable. They're a young team. They're a team that hasn't been there before. And we talk about Gabe Kapor and how good of a manager he is. Tori Lavulo is one of the best managers in all of baseball as well. I think he has the tools and he's the type of manager that can keep them on the straight and narrow all year. But I would not write off the Dimebacks. I think there's going to be some regression at some point, but I don't think it's going to be to the point where they end up tumbling down the standings. I think they're going to be in the mix for this division title all year long. So if you fire now, right, you can get Giants at plus 450. You couple that with the D-backs at plus 325. They're going to be some pretty good tickets to have in your pocket, you know, as we come down the stretch here, um, you know, in the NL West. I I think that – you know, having those two in there, no one would have thought in the beginning of the season, hey, disregard the Dodgers, disregard the Padres, but we're using the value of those strong rosters. We're kind of leveraging at that against these teams that we think that are built that actually have a shot, you know, to win this division in the long run. Yeah, I think if you haven't bought into this market, take a shot with the Diamondbacks and Giants, and you're going to be sitting good in a couple months. Absolutely love it. So, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We will be back. Bet MGM Weekend presented by uh, Bet MGM Sports. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little more baseball, a little College World Series, get into our best bets as well. I got three more best bets and plus a big swing. Hopefully we can hit it this one, Jake, but we'll be right back. We'll see you then. Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM. Start your weekend betting off right with BetQL Weekend with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller, sponsored by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. We're back. BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM Sportsbook. Mark Drumheller here with Jake Hassan filling in for Ryan Rothstein in our final segment. Um, We're going to continue the baseball talk. Uh, We're going to talk about Major League Baseball and the College World Series, and then we're going to finish up uh, with some NFL futures talk. Going to be football season before you know it. But let's continue in Major League Baseball. We're going to go to the West Coast, Jake. We're going to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Angels. Um, Otani has been another amazing season, you know, just mowed down, you know, 12 Dodgers <laughs> night, you know, he's just continues to be a, a generational type talent. And, you know, I think the question comes down to, do we think he's going to continue to play with the angels? What should the angels do? The right in the wild card mix still, um, you know, only a couple games out of the wild card and, you know, they, they've been playing better. They have a shot to make a push into the playoffs. We know the story in Major League Baseball. If you can get in, you can do some damage if you get hot at the right time, a lot like the NHL playoffs that way. Um, but a lot a lot of decisions going to have to be made in Los Angeles uh, with a big piece like that because if they do decide to trade them, they're going to get a massive haul. 
Yeah, and that was the question we were all asking ourselves entering the season. Otani was obviously the favorite for AL MVP, and he is a massive favorite right now, of course, with what he's doing both at the plate and on the mound, and deservedly so. But the question was always, should you bet him at such short prices? Because what if he gets traded to the Dodgers or the Mets or the Padres or whatever team you want to pick from the NL? Because then... Probably just can't win once he get changes leagues like that. And now every day that we go, every game that goes by, it looks more and more like the Angels are going to hang on to him because they're seven or eight games above 500. They're in the race. The AL isn't really that great right now outside of you know the top heavy hitters like the Rays and like the Rangers. But outside of that, it's really just kind of a crapshoot. And it feels like, like you said, if they just get in, you have two of the best players in the world, including the best player in the world with Otani, but you add Trout to that and you add the other guys on that roster who have actually played pretty well to that. And you see what you have. And I think the Angels, it looks pretty clear they're going to hang on to Otani here unless they just have like a massive slide, like a 10 game losing streak or something. Yeah, definitely. And as they should. You know, yep. like I said, baseball, you know, here in Philadelphia, the Phillies, a lot of people didn't think a lot of them during the regular season. They yeah. sneak into the playoffs. They make it happen. They get hot at the right time. We see it every year. There's a team like that. And why not the Angels, right? Sure. Like, you know, they haven't had luck. They have that type of dominating player in Utani. They got guys like Trout. Get those guys in the postseason, man. It's going to be electric. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's always fun when a wild card team makes that kind of run. I think it would be great for baseball just to have the Angels and have Trout and Otani on that biggest stage. And let's just see what they could do. It's about time that you have your best players marketed. And if Otani drags you to a World Series, more more money for him in the offseason. Can you imagine this? I mean, it would be just it would be a global yeah. event. Like it would be insane. Like yeah, if, I mean, if Otani was able to you look at what there. happened in the World Baseball Classic and how many people were tuned in just for Otani. And now at a World Series, that would be one hell of a run, run hell of a 10 months for Shohei Otani before he gets roughly $70 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole thing is fascinating. If you're yeah. Major League Baseball, right? And let, let's say, you know, you're running the show, right? They got you. They're like, hey, Jake, you know, first day on the job. I'm waiting for the call, do? Mark. <laughs> yeah, signing up, right? We could do there, – there's a lot of fixing that could be done in Major yeah. League Baseball. But, you know, I think an interesting part of it, if the Angels continue to flounder and, and not make the postseason with Otani, do you think they get pressure from the league of, like, hey, like, let's get this guy on a winning team? Like, you know what I mean? Because I, I feel like it's – if they don't – if they continue not to make the postseason, it's, it's almost like you're missing such a great opportunity. You have this – transcendent generational talent that is not in your postseason. I mean, we almost saw it. Arde Moreno almost sold the team coming into this year because the Angels had mm -hmm. been so mediocre for so long. And he said, you know what? I've had enough. Somebody else can guide this ship. I'm sick of it. And then the Angels start winning a little bit. And he says, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to stick around for a little bit because this team is actually winning. And in the postseason race, maybe I'm going to stick around now. And yeah, I mean, if, if they end up missing the playoffs this year and Otani ends up leaving the team in free agency, maybe he does come back around and sell and maybe somebody else can bring the angels back to relevancy, but, or maybe he stays, maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they make a little bit of a run. Maybe they win a division series and they lose in the LCS. And Otani says, you know what? I want to stay here because I feel like we have something here and we take that next leap. It's hard to say. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. I, I hope they will. I'm rooting for them. Give me an Angels-Giants World Series, right? How much fun <laughs> That'd would that be? That'd be great for ratings. See those two teams <laughs> in the World Series. Gabe Kapler against Otani, but Mike Trout deserves it. All those guys deserve it. Let's pivot over to college now, Jake. Um, we're getting right in your wheelhouse. College World Series. Now, at the time that we're taping this again, um, we're not sure what the actual matchup is going to be. Florida awaiting the winner of Wake Forest and LSU in the finals. Um, what were some of the things that surprised you so far, Jake? And, you know, if you had to pencil in, you know, somebody to win the whole thing now, you know, would it be Florida, Wake, or LSU? I mean, I'm going to be a little bit biased uh, with my Florida futures, and I'm going to say Florida. I'm going to go with my future. I'm, hold, I'm holding plus Because I deserve the money. You're right. right exactly. <laughs> I deserve to have a little treat, a little futures hit as a treat. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say Florida, but I do legitimately believe that Florida can win this whole thing. Their stars are just unbelievable, whether it be their all-American closer, Ryan Neely, whether that be their two-way player, Joe Caglione, who has been awesome and could be the next Otani as soon as next year. He's been great. They're just a really well-oiled machine. They showed it all throughout this round. They showed it all through the tournament, basically. Had very few hiccups. And now that's why they're waiting for the winner of Wake Forest and LSU. And don't get me wrong. Wake Forest and LSU are two terrifying teams on the other side. I'm not happy to see either of those teams as I hold my Florida futures. I'm clutching them to my chest because I'm terrified of both of these teams. Uh, we have the elimination game tonight on Thursday uh, between Rhett Lauder for Wake Forest and Paul Skeens for LSU, two of the best pitchers in the entire nation. They're both awesome. It's hard to think that Skeens, the way that he's been pitching, is going to let LSU go out with a whimper and not take them to the final. But Rhett Lauder on the other side is just as good, and Wake Forest was the number one overall team coming into the tournament for a reason, because they're also really good. I think regardless, it's going to be a really, really great final. And part of what made this tournament awesome was you had a lot of top seeds. You had Wake Forest. You had LSU, who was the fifth overall seed. You had Stanford make it deep, who was the two overall seed. And you had, of course, Florida, who was a top seed as well. So it's really interesting. It's been an awesome series, and I can't wait to see this final. And I can't wait to be very, very sweaty come this weekend when it comes to these Florida games. Now, do you think Florida will be favored against LSU or Wake? So I think if it's Wake, I, I was talking about this with uh, Ken Barkley, actually, you better you bet, that I mm -hmm. think if it's Wake, they'll be favored just because they have the stigma and you know the reputation the one team. of being the number one team and having the stars and getting through this dogfight with Louis, uh, LSU and the and the semis. Uh, I think if it's LSU, still really good team, have the top two picks in this upcoming draft in Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens, who I mentioned before. But I think that one will be closer to a coin flip uh, if that's the way it goes. Makes sense. So we we want to uh, you know hop on these Florida futures once they drop. I don't think they're going to be out until you know the the conclusion of Thursday night's game between LSU and Wake. But once we get that pairing. Hop on Florida. Let's punch it in. That way we can win some money, you know, with our guy, Jake. That's you know, it ain't no fun unless the homies have none, right? So, right. you know, we exactly. all got to get a piece of Florida now and get to the window um, as the College World Series concludes. But before we get out of here, Jake, I want to move over to the NFL. We'll do a little bit of NFL talk. It's going to be a long 
summer. Everybody's kind of chomping at the bit. They can't wait until fall. Um, and I want to talk about the top of the futures market, right? Sure. Because whenever we hear sports betting content this time of year, it's like, hey, take this team at plus 1,600, right? Here's the surprise, the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, you know, Anthony Richardson and the Colts. We hear about all these long shot, big underdogs. Um, people like, get, you know, get attracted to these big numbers. But I want to talk to the, about the top of the futures board. Out of the top five teams with the shortest odds, we're looking at Kansas City at plus 650. We're looking at Philadelphia 7-1, to one, the Bills 8-1, to one, the Bengals 9-1, to one, and the Niners 10-1. to one. If you had to pick one team that you were most confident in that group, uh, who would it be? I mean, I feel like it has to be the Bengals here. It feels like they're on that precipice of making that leap. We thought it would happen last year, and it kind of did to an extent. I mean, Joe Burrow obviously is awesome. Uh, look, at he's one of the favorites for MVP for a reason. Uh, the Cincinnati team is really, really talented, and it feels like they're on the cusp of something really big. Obviously, then you have to go through the AFC, which is not super fun, especially now that Lamar Jackson is staying and since Aaron Rodgers now moves to the AFC. Not a lot of fun picking an AFC team, but I think this Bengals team, they've been so close the last couple of years. Obviously, they lost the Super Bowl to the Los Angeles Rams a couple of years ago, but it feels like the Bengals are primed for something big here. I really like this team. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I like that they developed this, you know, swagger last year, this attitude, the burrow head stuff. A lot of people were like, oh, you poke the bear, you get what you deserve. You know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. They ended up losing that game, but it showed that they're not afraid of the Chiefs, you know, and, and it's yeah. tough to get back to the Super Bowl year after year, right? We know the Chiefs won. We know Patrick Mahomes is probably the best football player we've ever seen. You know, he's probably going to go down as one of the best of all time. Um, but it getting the Bengals here at 9-1, to one, I think, provides the most value. Uh, you know, the Eagles and the Chiefs at the top, 6.5 uh, and 7-1. And to one, um, You know, I love my Eagles, and I hope they get back. <laughs> and I think they got a pretty easy path in the NFC, but I don't know if the value's there. Let's look at the other way. Out of these five teams, Jake, which team do you have the least amount of confidence in? Yeah, I'm going to say I know the easy answer is the Niners because of the uncertainty with the quarterback situation. I'm going to say the Bills. The vibes are just bad around that team. Stephon yeah, Diggs are. doesn't want to be there. I don't know how much faith I have in Sean McDermott to be a Super Bowl winning coach. Josh Allen, can he take that next step? We'll see. For me, it's the Bills. Just at such a short price. I just can't get behind that. I agree. I don't like the vibes there. I said it. I think it's going to be the Jets or Miami winning that division, and it's going to depend on Tua's health. If it's if Tua's healthy, Miami wins it. If not, the Jets win it. Don't like the Bills either. I'm going to take the layup with the Niners. I actually think the bottom could fall out for this team. Um, I think uh, you know all under on the win total works. Lots of question marks at the quarterback position. Sam Darnold is not the answer. You're not <laughs> selling me that. Kyle Shanahan has not shown that he can win with with poor quarterbacks. Um, you know, it, so I, I don't I don't think that that's going to work. Brock Purdy comes back if he's healthy. Can he stay healthy? Suffered through an oblique injury last year. Um, then ends up getting you know hurt. You know, in the NFC Championship, he didn't even play a full season. Had all those injury issues. Kyle Shanahan's offense, as much credit as it gets, just seems to get the quarterback um, on the sidelines, right? Yeah. You know, it's hard to stay healthy in that offense. So I'm going to take the layup there, um, you know, with the San Francisco 49ers. But I couldn't agree with you more on the Bills. The Bills are a sell team for me. But listen, guys, that's going to do it for us. Another action-packed 60 minutes of the sports betting content you need. We will be back next weekend, but we appreciate you joining us. 
Best of luck on all your bets. BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM Sportsbook. Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM. 